Father, I can't convict and draw men unto you. I can't. I know I can't, Father, but Lord, I'm going to be faithful to preach what you've given us, and I pray that your Holy Spirit would do what only your Holy Spirit can do in our life today. Lord, as always, if there's one lost today, I pray they'd see their need for the Savior. Father, help them to see that Jesus loves them and died for them and rose again for them just like he did for me, and I pray there, there will be one, maybe two or more get saved today. For those that are saved, Father, help us to consider our life and the life that we live after the cross, Father, that we might glorify you with it, with all the time we have, Lord, until you call us home and until you return, which I believe is very soon. Pray your will be accomplished, Lord, be with those we mentioned that need prayer today. Give grace, give healing for us in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> I've mentioned many times that I love Peter. Peter is one disciple that we have been given the opportunity to get to know very, very personally. Uh, in my own personal opinion, in my own personal reading, I always look at Peter as the human disciple. Uh, the others don't seem human sometimes. I know they were, and I know they made mistakes, but uh, Peter, we just see it shown in Scripture a whole lot more, and the Lord allowed us to see that, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, somebody said to me a while back, <clears throat> they said, a sloth is my spirit animal. And I said, <clears throat> now what does that mean, that a sloth is your spirit animal. They says, well, a spirit animal, speaking uh, contextually, just joking, uh, they said that's just kind of an animal who I identify with as far as their traits. They are slow, they're not fast about what they do, and so they said my spirit animal is a sloth because they identify with those traits very clearly. And uh, I don't know if this would be a good example or not, but I would like to think of uh, Peter as my spirit human. Uh, I identify with Peter very well. Uh, he had high points in his life, walking on the water, thank God for that, but then he had low points where he denied Christ, and we see both the spiritual and the carnal in the life of Peter. We pick up here this conversation that Christ is having with his disciples. If you look down at verse 21, <clears throat> the Bible says he begins to be very clear about what he was about to do, and he's expressing it in explicit detail. He says that he must go unto Jerusalem. He's going to suffer many things of the elders, the chief priests and the scribes. The Bible says he's going to be killed and be raised again. Now we see part of Peter's humanity here. I, I love this. You see Peter rising up real quick. And you look at verse 22. It's quite interesting what he does. The Bible says then Peter took him. All right? It isn't just that Peter is saying, hey, no, 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 that's not going to happen. The Bible says that Peter took him. And I don't know that I've ever really honed in on that before, when, before I was studying this this week. The Bible says he took him, it means basically that, that Peter took Christ by the arm. We could kind of see someone doing that in our time and pulling them off to the side and discussing this with them. This is what Peter's doing. He says, then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. Peter steps up and he says, Lord, I'm not going to let this happen to you. And we even see in the garden where Peter did follow through by drawing his sword, trying to defend Christ. And uh, as, as ill-timed as it was, it was very admirable that Peter was willing to do that for Christ. But then we'll watch what Jesus says in verse 23. But he turned and said unto Peter, he's chiding him, if you will, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> Can you imagine how Peter felt? He rises up to defend Jesus and defend him from being arrested and crucified, and now Jesus calls him Satan, okay? He is not really Satan, but he's saying, get thee behind me, Satan, meaning this is not of God, thou art an offense unto me. Here's Christ uh, rebuking Satan, who is trying to cause this little bit of a problem that is here. Satan himself involved in all of this. It's, it's amazing. Notice what it says, thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of man. Here's what Jesus is saying. He is speaking to Peter, but he's also speaking to Satan, and he says, this is why I'm here. This is why I'm here. This is the meaning of the life that God has given me, and this is what I am called to do. And, and then he does something quite amazing. He goes on in verse 24 to, to say something we know well and we quote often, but I want you to notice the context of this. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, here's what he's saying. He's saying, Peter, not only am I going to go do this, and this is the meaning of my life, but if any man's going to come after me, me he's got to understand he's going to follow a similar path. 
Now, thanks be to God, we don't have to give our lives on a cross. The Bible tells us that we are to become a living sacrifice, but he is showing them that the meaning of his life was to do this. And if they are going to have any meaning in their life, they are going to have to follow suit. I want you to understand this morning, probably the most asked question that I get outside of salvation, maybe outside of the home, is questions that I get asked about the meaning of life. By the way, I think it's a great question to ask this morning. What is the meaning of life? Why did God give us life? Why did God allow us to be born? And why did God allow us to live in 2023? You know God has a meaning behind all of that. I'm thankful today that I'm not here by accident, all right? Uh, I think some of you, look, I've heard some of you say this before, that God's given you an extra child that you weren't expecting. What a blessing, amen? An unexpected blessing. Now, you may not have expected it, but God did. God had a plan behind all of that. There are times I will watch Andy Griffith and uh, just look at how simple the world was. Now, for those of you who grew up in that time, maybe it wasn't that simple. Uh, But for a guy in 2023 watching the Andy Griffith show, it seems like life is slower. It seems like life was simpler. Uh, It seems like life was maybe just a little bit more at ease on Sunday afternoons. They would just sit on their porch on the show and and they would sing and play the, the, the guitar together. Sometimes I wish and I wonder, man, why didn't God let me be born back then in the black and white days, you know? The black and white television days where Petticoat Junction or whatever it is you're watching on those old shows, it just seems so simple. Can I tell you, I did not uh, be born in 1980 by accident. I was born January the 4th, 1980, according to the will of God for my life. And I'm thankful that I am alive in 2023 because God has meaning for the life he has given me. Now he tells Peter, he answers here, and he says, this is the meaning of my life in verse 21. That I go to Jerusalem to suffer many things of the elders, the chief priests and scribes, to be killed and to be raised again the third day. He rebukes him and says, look, this is why I'm here. This is the purpose for why I'm here. This is the meaning for why I'm here. And then he says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Can I tell you this morning, I believe the Christian life is a life that is worth living. And living to the fullest extent of what God desired that we do each and every moment of each and every day with each and every breath that God has given us. I believe the life that God has given us is a life that is worth living. But I'm afraid this morning that so many of us are not living that life. Look, I'm talking about folks that are saved, born again. Heaven's your home, and you have an assurance of salvation. Your name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm afraid this morning we are living uh, life, and we are living as a Christian, but we're not living it to the fullest extent of the meaning for which God left us here. But oh, I believe this morning that the Christian life is what we're going to preach about this morning. It's a life worth living, and I believe Christ gives us an outline on how to know whether we're living a life worth living. What a shame it is to get to the end of your life, whether you be 80, 90, 100, 150 years old, to look back and realize that you live, but you didn't live a life with much meaning. and didn't fulfill the will of God for it. I believe Christ gives us an outline, and we're going to look at a life worth living this morning, and we're going to see how to live it to the fullest, to the will of God, that when he comes, we hear, well done. Look down, if you will, to verse number 26. We're going to get right into it. Jesus begins to explain this life that is worth living. He says, this is the life that I'm called to live. And if you're going to follow me, this is the life you're called to live. And watch how he describes it in verse 26. The Bible says, for what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So here is Christ describing the life that is worth living. He says, hey, hey, this is the life I'm called to live. And if you're going to come after me, this is the life you're called to live. And he begins to explain the life that is worth living and how to know you're living the life that is worth living. And he does it, interestingly, in verse 26 with two questions. Have you ever heard of deductive reasoning? 
where you begin asking questions. Uh, our teens will play that from time to time. Uh, they like to play a game called Mafia. I still don't get it. Uh, I win a lot, but I don't know what it's about. And they're asking all of these questions, trying to find out who the Mafia person is. Evidently, we have Mafia in our church because our teenagers talk about it all the time, wanting to know who the Mafia is in our church. I have some ideas, but I'm not sure, and that's why we play the game. But you ask all of these questions, trying to come down with the right answer. All right, now here's what he's doing. He's trying to help them understand what the life worth living is all about and how to know that you're living the life worth living. Reminds me of my wife. Here recently, she got to be a juror, all right, a juror, and she had jury duty. Uh, that young lady, and I'm not going to talk about it, okay? She's looking at me like, now don't talk about it. No, I'm not going to talk about all the details. Trial is over, but for some reason, she gets picked to be on the jury all the time. I've never gotten picked, never. Maybe it's my shifty looks. I don't know. She gets picked all the time. And so all this past, uh, past week, I'm having to drive her back and forth to the courthouse and all of these things. And they gave her a questionnaire of things that you're supposed to ask, things you're supposed to know in order to come up with the proper verdict. Okay? Now, this is what Christ is doing. He's giving them some questions to help them understand what the life worth living looks like. And so this morning, I want to begin with this first thing. Notice the questions of life, if you would, in verse 26. The questions of life. Now, I believe this this morning. I'm afraid that for both lost and saved, eternity is going to be the first time they begin questioning whether they lived a life worth living. I believe that both for lost and saved people. That only it will be in eternity that they really begin asking the questions on whether or not they lived a life worth living. Can I tell you something? The best time to question whether you're living the life that's worth living is while you still have the life. All right? When the life is gone, it's too late to wonder, did I live a life that was worth living? That's why this morning it would pay us all a little bit more better if we just took some time to ask some questions about the life we're living. Wait a minute. Is the life I'm living, is what I'm working for, what I'm striving toward, is that going to honor and glorify God? You ought to ask some questions about it. Give an example. The rich man who died and went to hell. I want you to think about what he began to say and what he began to talk about while he's in hell. He began asking for water. He asked about his brothers. Notice when he got to the end of his life, he finally started questioning his life. He started thinking about the life he had lived and the life that he had missed out on. Can I tell you, that's too late to start asking questions about your life. When you die and draw your last breath, it's been quite sad recently. We've had so many folks go home to be with the Lord. Now, that's not the sad part, all right? Now, that's not sad at all. As a matter of fact, those folks that have died and gone to be with the Lord recently, oh, if you could just see them now. I mean, you wouldn't cry about them. We cry because we miss them. But they are just as much alive today or more than they've ever been in their life. But wait a minute. When you get to that place, it's too late to begin questioning your life. That's why Christ begins asking the question in verse 26. For what is a man profit if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Do you know what he's doing? He's trying to get them to consider what the real life worth living looks like. By the way, this is not just for lost people. More times than not, saved people, we get to the end of our life. We begin looking back, questioning all the time we wasted on things that didn't matter. We get to the end of our life and we start questioning, oh, my soul, I gave so much time to have these things in my life and these things don't even matter anymore. I gave so much of my time to accumulate things that I can't take with me. Someone said it once and I believe it's true, you never see a U-Haul following a hearse. You can't take it with you. And we spend this life, listen, there's nothing wrong with having things. If God blesses you with things, thank him for them and use them for his glory. All right? God blesses you with a dog, figure out a way to use that dog to the glory of God. God blesses you with a shovel, figure out a way, thank God for the shovel, figure out a way to use it for the glory of God. Whatever God blesses us with, use it for his glory. But here's the problem. Understand that life is not about those things. The Bible says that our life consisteth not in the things that we have. That's not what life is all about. And he begins asking these questions in verse 26 to help them understand, look, are you living a life that's worth living? 1 Corinthians 3.15, let me give you this, Christians. 
if any man's work shall be burned, what is it speaking about? It's speaking about for those of us that are saved and we live a life and all throughout our life we are working. We are working in our job, we are working in church, we are working in our homes, we are working in our hearts and we work, we work, we work. But the Bible says that all of our work will eventually be tried by fire. The Bible says that God is going to judge our works and he's going to try it by fire. Now listen to what verse 15 says. If any man's works shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Do you know when our works are tried by fire, the things we spend our time on, our effort, our energy, our talents, all of our work's going to sit there. It's going to be tried by fire. Can I tell you what's going to happen at that moment? I believe this with all of my heart, at least in my life, maybe not yours. When that fire begins to pass over our works and they are tried by fire, I believe I'll begin to question the life that I live. But it's too late. It's too late when you're sifting through the ashes of wasted time. It's too late when you're sifting through the ashes of selfish pride that I, I, I did all of this for me. What did Solomon say? Solomon said it was all for vanity. Solomon says I get and I got and I gained and I stacked up and I accumulated. But all of it was vanity. What was he saying? I'm questioning my life. This is what Christ is doing in verse 26. He's trying to ask questions. To help us understand what the life worth living really looks like. If you've been out uh, and about in the community any number of years, Walmart, maybe Dollar General, I'll bet there's a good many of you here this morning who have run across a chick track. Anybody ever seen a gospel track? One of the chick tracks. One of the most famous chick tracks that are out there is entitled, This Was Your Life. It begins to go through a little comic strip of a gentleman that had lived his life and finally got to the end of his life and realized that maybe he didn't have what he thought he had. Now, can I tell you this morning, when you get to the end of it, it's too late. When you get to the verdict of this was your life, you've lived your life, it's too late to question it. But thanks be to God, we are here today. And God has allowed us to have life today. Could I just encourage you to do something with that life? Question your life. Question your life. Ask, am I living a life worth living? What am I accumulating? And what's it going to matter in the whole scheme of eternity? Because I'm afraid when we get up there, we're going to begin to question a lot of things, things that matter to us. Solomon, at the end of his life, what did he say? Old Solomon lived it up. He had all of the treasures and all of the gold and all of the property. Nothing wrong with having any of that. The Bible says at the end, he said, all is vanity. Vanity means vain. It was for me. It's not for him. At the very end of his life, he gets to the end, he looks back, he said, here's the conclusion of the whole matter. I've looked my whole life over, fear God, keep his commandments. Kind of late to be questioning it. Kind of late to be wondering, did I live a life worth living? There's a book, I've quoted it a few times, I encourage you, you ought to read it. It's by Herbert Lockyer. It's entitled, The Last Words of Saints and Sinners. I read it in college. The saints part was great. Man, you're reading people being burned at the stake and they're singing praise to God. And I'm thinking, I am not there yet. But I want to be. I want to be that kind of Christian right there that's getting burned at the stake. Who's getting eaten by the wild animals in the Colosseum at Rome. And they're giving God glory. I want to be one of those. I'm not there yet, okay? Not there yet. Wait a minute. You read the other part of that book. It's the last words of saints and sinners, I'm going to be completely honest with you. When you read the last words of folks that were lost and never trusted Christ as their Savior, you'll want to sleep with the lights on. It's frightening. When people finally reach the end of their life, a life that they had spent rejecting Christ, they rejected him, rejected him, rejected him, no, 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 and now they are looking upon a life that has been lost, opportunities missed, and now they are in misery. Why? Because they did not choose to live the life that was worth living. That Christ asked questions about in verse number 26. James chapter 4 is a verse we know well, but I want you to think about this. The Bible says, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. Now watch this. For what is your life? Do you know what he's trying to get us to do? Question it. Question it. What is your life? What is your life? Bible says it is what? Even a 
vapor that appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. I forget the statistic of how many minutes and hours we have or how many minutes we get in each day and seconds we get in each day, but that's moments in time we'll never get back again. What did we do with them? What did we invest them in? I believe one of the greatest disasters of the human life is when we never stop questioning the life we're living. Disaster. When we get to a place where we're so comfortable that we are never worried about living, walking circumspectly. That I've got to walk circumspectly, not as fools. I've got to be careful where I put my feet. I've got to be careful where I'm going. Why? Because I want to live a life worth living. I don't want to live a life that I get to the end of it and it was for naught. I don't want to give a life that I get to the end of it and it was for comfort and how I felt. I want to get to the end of the life and know that I did the will of God in my life because that's all that's going to matter then. No matter how hard it is. Hey, live a life worth living. Why? Because at the end, I'll promise you, it'll be worth it all. No matter what it costs you to stand, just stand. Matthew 7, the Bible says that we enter into the straight gate in verse 13. But listen to this. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. You know, if, if the way is narrow, and few there be that find it, would it not hurt to question? Make sure you found it. Would it hurt to question? Do I know that I know that I know that Jesus Christ is my Savior, that heaven's my home, that I've trusted in the finished work of Christ on the cross of Calvary? Do I know that? Why? You ought to question that if few be there that find it. Heard a mom tell her son the other day, and it was not in a flattering way. She says, check yourself before you wreck yourself. I think that was a mom's way of saying, step back before I slap you. Knowing the mom, I think it was. Can I tell you, that is not bad advice at all. Jesus says, for what a man is profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his soul? Question mark. You ought to question. Hey, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Hey, you ought to question it. You ought to know for sure this morning. You are living the life worth living. Why? Because you don't want to be like the church at Laodicea. The church at Laodicea, which I believe that's the church that the Lord's going to find when he comes back. And you see it all over our country. At the end of this road, the church of Laodicea says, I am rich and increased in goods and have need of nothing. Hey, they didn't question themselves anymore. They didn't. They had given the verdict that they're good and they're right and everything's okay. They quit questioning their life. And what did Jesus say to them? No, it's not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. He said, you should have kept questioning yourself. Listen, not that you were saved, but you should have kept questioning yourself to make sure you were living the life worth living. This world we're living in is so attractive. It has so much to offer. And it's so easy to get off track on living that life that's worth living. You could be one day serving God faithfully, living for God faithfully. The next thing you know, you find yourself totally out of the will of God. That's why you ought to question every once in a while. Question the life you're living. That's what he does in verse number 26. Now, why is this important? I'm going to hurry, okay? First point's always the longest. You should know that by now. Who's asking the question? My Bible, these are red letters. This is Jesus speaking. This is Christ. This is Christ. You see, Christ, the Bible says in John 14, 6, that he is the what? Life. It's Christ. You see, Christ loves us and he wants us to know that the life that we desire to live that's worth living can only be lived through him. That's why he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. This morning, the question we should be asking is, am I living the life worth living, which is a life through Christ? That's it. That's it. It shouldn't be of us. It shouldn't be of our talents. It shouldn't be of our intellect. I am living the life, and I have the life through Christ. There is no life outside of Christ. There is no life outside of Christ. Can I tell you, I, I could introduce you to the hundreds of people who have tried to live the life outside of Christ, and oh, it just leads to misery. That's why Paul says, Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. You know, if there's anything good of us, it's because of Christ. You know that? You know, you some nice folks. Uh, I've eaten at a lot of your homes. Uh, I've gone and, and, and gone out to eat with several families here, and we've done things together, and you're good folks. But you know, the Bible says there's none good, no, not one. 
if there's anything good of us, it's because of Christ. If there's any life, if there's anything good about us, it's because of Christ. The question we should ask this morning, he was trying to get them to ask the questions about their life. It's, do I have the life that is only in Christ? So number one, a life worth living, notice it comes with questions. You ought to question your life this morning, and that life is only lived through Christ. But wait a minute, he gets more specific, and I want you to see it right there in verse 26. The Bible says, for what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Now watch, he begins to give details about the life that is worth living. Now, before we are quick to declare, yes, I'm living the life worth living, we've got to let the Lord define that. Only the Lord can tell us whether we're living this life that is worth living and having the meaning of life that we're supposed to be following the example of Christ in. So notice number two this morning, the considerations of life. He says, there's something I want you to consider in verse 26. For what is a man profited? If he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. Now you've got to see this this morning. We are quick to declare, the Bible says, our own good, aren't we? The church at Laodicea, bless their heart. I'm rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. I'm good. I'm good. They quit questioning the life that they were living. But can I tell you, God does not define life by what we have. Watch verse 26. God defines life by what we keep. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? God doesn't define life by the things we have. You say, well, I have this, I have that. That's not how God defines life. Life is what we get to keep, not by what we have here. We live in a very carnal world, and we are attractive to things. Now, I'm just as guilty. You come in my office, it is a flea market. Uh, My wife is so glad that my office is so large because a lot of that junk that would normally be in our house is now in my office, including the dead animals. She loves the fact that the office is big enough for all of them. I'm like, well, honey, I could put some of them here in some of the house. No, you keep them all together. They're a family. You want to keep them all there in the office together. And so all the dead animals are in there in my office. I like things, and I collect a lot of things, but there's something you need to consider about things He says here, what is it profited if we shall gain the whole world and lose his soul? You see, God doesn't count things as part of life because things aren't going to last. We can't take them with us. They're they're not. There's nothing wrong with having things and nice little collections of things. And my daughter has things. I pass the sickness to her. You go in her office. It's like, I mean, her office. It's her bedroom, her office, whatever you want to call it. Her study, her office, her bedroom, whatever you want to call it, that's what it is. I go in there, and it's like things threw up all over the wall. And now, it's in order, and it's nice. Don't get me wrong. It's organized, but it's things everywhere. She gets that from her dad. I like things. I like collecting things, and I have all of these things. But wait a minute. Things are not going to last. You ought to consider that when you're deciding whether you live the life worth living. Things don't count. Things don't count. You say, well, I'm living a life worth living. Here's what we do. We look at people that may have more than us, and they have a bigger house and more cars. We say, boy, they're living the life. According to who? That's not how God judges life. Life is not what we have. Life is what we keep. Now, think about this. The Bible says, 1 John 5, 12, he that hath the Son hath life. Life is in Christ. You have Christ, you have the life worth living. But he that hath not the Son hath not life. Life is dependent on Christ, not things. And by the way, you say, well, how do you know? John 3, 16 says, the life we get in Christ is everlasting. Isn't that great? It's going to last. Oh, thank the Lord that when I got saved as a young man, I received life, and that life will last beyond this one. We get so concerned with getting things in this life. And I get it. Look, don't get me wrong. I like getting things. Deer season's coming. I want to get a deer. And, you know, a a new something comes out. You want to get that. Nothing wrong with getting things. But understand, life doesn't consist of things. Life consists of Christ. You have Christ. You have life. And it's an everlasting life. 
And one day, listen, when this life is over, you're going to go on to the next, all because you found the life that was worth living that was only living through Jesus Christ. Now, you think about it this way. In this life, we have so many things like the rich man. He had things. Nothing wrong with being rich, okay? Don't walk out of here today and say, boy, Brother Jeremiah hates rich people. I don't, okay? You hear it, hear it straight from the horse's mouth. I'm not saying that. But what's amazing is when the rich man is in hell, he says nothing about his things. But he says a lot about his life down there. I am tormented. He said, this is a horrible life. This is a horrible place. You see, when he got down there, there were none of those things that gave him comfort and distraction in this life. Can I encourage you, if you're going to get anything in this life, be sure you get life for the next one. Be sure you get the life for the next one. You may leave here a pauper. You may leave here poor. You may leave here living in a rented house and have to take city transit different places and not have a car of your own. Listen to me. That's not the worst thing that can happen to you. The worst thing that can happen to you is leave this life without having life for the next one. And that life is only through Christ. If you're not living the life through Christ, it's not a life worth living, I, I assure you of that. Be careful of worrying more about what you can get than you can gain. Watch what it says in verse 26. For what is a man profit if he shall gain the whole world? Well, if you lose your soul, what is the whole world gonna, good's going to do you? No good. No good. There's some considerations of life. Life is not about what we like. Life is what about what lasts, and that's Jesus. C.T. Studd, I'll not read the whole thing, but we could not preach on this subject without quoting a little bit from his poem. Two lines I heard one day, traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart, and from my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. That's why you ought to question. He was trying to describe for them. He says, look, here's the meaning of my life. To go to Jerusalem, to suffer, to die, and be raised again. And by the way, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. He said, that's the way you're going to find meaning in your life. So you ought to question whether you're living a life worth meaning. And then consider the fact that the meaning comes from Christ. That's it. That's it. We live a life by Christ and through Christ. And this morning, understanding that all the things that we have in this life that bring us comfort should never distract us from what God has called us and left us here to do. To live a life that is worth living. I think Moses got it right, don't you? What does Hebrews say about Moses? The Bible says that Moses looked at all the things. And I don't know what Moses was looking at, but I know it was some good things. All the treasures of Egypt, the Bible says. I mean, look, we are still watching National Geographic documentaries about the, the, the Egyptian tombs. Why? Because it's amazing. And, and Moses was there real time. He got to see it before the, t the tombs got looted. What did the Bible say about Moses? The Bible says he chose rather to suffer with God's people than to enjoy what? The pleasures of sin for what? A season. A season. What does that mean? Fleeting. Will not last. Can't take it with you. Moses says, no. I've got to live a life worth living. But wait a minute, Moses. You're going to suffer. Oftentimes, can I tell you what keeps us from living the life worth living? When it costs us. And we suffer. I wish ministry was always fun. I wish ministry was always joy and always peace and always good. But can I tell you, there are times ministry is hard. Can I tell you, it's not fun. And if you let fun and comfort and pleasure steer the life you live, you will not live a life worth living. You won't. You'll quit. You'll be like the Mississippi River. I've showed you pictures of it before. Man, the border of our state is so wacky. There's people out there in Colorado and Utah and New Mexico. they got a nice square state. And ours is like, woo, all the way down there. 
Do you know why? The river took the path of least resistance. And I tell you, the life worth living doesn't look like that. The life worth living is one where you consider what is it going to profit. Can I tell you, that's the question you ought to ask this morning about the life you are living. What is it going to profit? What are we working so hard for, giving our life for, our time for? What are we giving all of our attention for? What is it going to profit? Because that's what he says here, verse 26. For what is a man profited? What is a profit? That's what you get to keep. That's what you get to keep. Man, you go and you... You give a gospel tract to the lady at the gas station, invite her to come to church. Hey, you get to keep that. That's something you get to keep. That's something you'll see in eternity. You take some time to go visit somebody in the hospital. You give Brother Tyler a call and say, I heard you was an accident. Hey, can I bring you a bologna sandwich or something? I don't know if he likes bologna, so ask first. Hey, you get to keep that. You get to keep that. But so often, so much that we do, so much that we work for, the things we give our attention for, heels that we die on are not going to profit nothing in heaven. Then the trump of God's going to sound, and he's going to be staring at us, and we're staring at him, and we're going to realize we didn't live a life worth living. We lived a life because of what we wanted and desired to have comforts and what we desired, and we're going to miss it, folks. And when that fire comes over and everything's burned up, we're going to be sifting through the ashes. Surely there's something here. Surely I did something good. Surely I invested in eternity, and it's not there. It's burned up because we didn't live a life worth living. All that we lived a life was what for we wanted and what we desired. And we missed out on having something eternity. Yes, we are saved, but what does it say? As by fire. We're there, but we missed out on having anything. Because we never questioned or considered the life that we're living. Matthew chapter 16, quickly, verse 25. For whosoever will save his life, what does it say? Shall lose it, and whosoever will lose it, for my sake. For my sake. Look, this is not about me, it's not about you, it's for his sake. Hey, why are you faithful? You better not be faithful for me. You better be faithful for your spouse that you come to church. No, you're faithful for his sake. For his sake. Those are the things that are going to matter. That I did what matters to him and I have something in eternity that's waiting for me. It was for Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.20, I'll hurry. The Bible says now, then we are ambassadors for Christ. For Christ. That's why we live. You want to know the meaning of the Christian life? For Christ. That's it. It's not for me. No, you're not. You're not your own. I am not my own anymore. I don't belong to me. I don't get to do what I want to do anymore. It's got to be for Christ. I'm an ambassador for him. I, I was watching uh, some of the uh, uh, Supreme Court hearings the other day and uh, watching uh, the representatives come forward. and had, no, Not Supreme Court. It was, uh, uh, it was one of the uh, committees there in Congress. They were investigating uh, Merrick Garland and all these things there and uh, the representatives that were there, they are there and they are speaking on behalf of their constituents that are there. They are representing them, their senators, their congressmen. That's who they speak for. That congressman is not there to speak his mind. He's there to speak the mind of the people that he represents. He is an ambassador, an official representative. That's what you and I are. We are official representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ. We could even get us some nice little tags like Jehovah's Witness got, you know, official representative. Jeremiah Andrews, for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's for his sake. So how do you know you're living a life worth living? You ought to consider the only life worth living is one you do for Christ. That's it. You know, you can do churchy things for you, and it still doesn't count. Churchy things, what do you mean? I can do religious stuff. The Pharisees did. The scribes did. They went through all the religious motions, but it was for them. It was for their praise. It was for their desire. It was not for Christ. Matter of fact, they killed him. It was all for them. A life worth living, number one, the questions of life. You ought to question. You ought to question it this morning. What is your life? Well, how do you know what to question? Well, the considerations you need to ask is who it's for. What is it going to profit? Paul put it this way in Philippians 3, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. For Christ. I counted loss for Christ. That means everything that Paul had. You know, Paul had a claim. Paul had education. Paul had, Paul had so many things that people would strive for. He had power. I mean, he could arrest you. You know, that's power, right? 
He says, all these things, my education, my schooling, my teaching, my accolades, my authority, I count it loss for Christ. Paul had this life worth living figured out. One of my heroes, Jim Elliott, I've quoted him often. He is no fool who lives. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. You give what you're not going to be able to take with you anyway to gain what you will have forever. Oh, my soul. Could we just consider this morning, are we living a life worth living? Jesus says, hey, this is the life that has meaning. I'm going to go. I'm going to be delivered. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die, and I'm going to rise again. By the way, if you're going to come after me, you're going to have to take up your cross and follow me. Thank God, a living sacrifice. But wait a minute, all the same, if our life's going to have meaning, you ought to question it. What does my life profit? What is there to gain? And then you ought to consider this morning, what are you going to be able to keep? Finally, let's get to this. You got quiet all of a sudden, okay? So we're going to move on. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? For what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Now, this morning, I think all of us have enough sense to want to get to the end of our life and we want to have something. I think we all do. If you're lost, you want to get to the end of your life and know at least you had Christ because that is life. But then wait a minute. For the Christian who lives this life, you want to get to the end of it and you want to have to have had something there. Why isn't that an easy decision? Well, it's because notice, if you'll look quickly in verse 24, the Bible says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up. Notice, there's a trade-off. Something has to be denied. Something has to be taken up. You see, the life worth living, I want you to notice finally the conflict of life. There's a conflict. Because sooner or later, you have to choose the life worth living. You got to choose it. You have to decide. The Bible says, What shall a man give in exchange? It's interesting. Watch. Verse 24 something has to be denied, something has to be taken up. Verse 25 something has to be saved, something has to be lost. Verse 26 something has to be, notice it says here, exchanged for his soul. You see, the reason so many of us will never live a life worth living, the reason lost people stay lost and refuse Christ is because at some point you have to choose him. You got to choose Christ. You got to choose him. Can I tell you this morning, if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your savior, you don't know what life is yet. Because life is in Christ. It's not in these things, it's not in stuff, it's not going and doing, no, no, no. Life is in Christ. You can have that today, but he's not going to force it on you. You can say, no, no, I want to live this life. You know, the Bible tells us about a rich young ruler who had questions about the next life. The Bible says he was too interested in this one to be worried about the next one. Could I encourage you this morning, when you get to the place of conflict, where you have to decide, watch this, whether you're lost or saved, all right? For the saved, you have to decide to do what verse 24 says, deny and take up. Deny and take up. So often we deny Christ and take up self, and self and all of its trappings are going to be turned to ashes, the Bible tells us, when it's tried by fire. Can I ask you a simple question as we close this morning? Are you living a life worth living? Are you living a life worth living? You say, yeah, 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 I am. Don't be delayed to see in church. Yes, we're rich and increased with goods that have need of nothing. I mean, how often do people ask us, are you okay? And we answer yes, and half the time we're lying. Right? Number one, the person who asked you probably didn't want to know. Right? <laughs> be honest. Number two, you're probably lying when you told them you were fine. We do that with God. It's 1210. Time to get out of here, right? Holy Spirit knocks on our heart's door. Are you, are you living the life worth living? He's asking him a question. Verse 26. I'm good. I'm rich in a creature with goods that have need of nothing. The Bible says, no, ye not. Do you know why they didn't know? Because they wouldn't question. 
Christian, can I ask you this morning, are you living a life worth living? So, well, how do I know? Well, there's considerations here. What is what you're working at going to profit? And what are you going to have in eternity because of what you're doing? And then finally, are you willing to face the conflict and make the choice that I'm going to choose Christ? If you're lost this morning, can I tell you what the invitation is for you? Choose Christ. Choose Christ. Christ is life. Life is only found in him. And you may have lived a whole life, a full life, and now you're at the end of a life, and you have done nothing with the time God's given you. But oh, if you choose Christ before you leave this one, you'll have made the most important decision that you'll ever make in your life. Can I ask you, if you're saved this morning, are you living a life worth living? Peter says, no, no, you're not going to go die. No, no. Hey, can we talk about that? Pulls him off to the side. No, no, I'm not going to let that happen to you. He said, no, this is the meaning of my life. This is why I'm here. Live to die and to rise again. Boy, aren't you glad Peter didn't talk him out of it. Jesus says, no, this is the meaning of my life. And by the way, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Are you living a life worth living? Would you be willing to question that this morning? Would you be willing to consider what a life worth meaning looks like? It's one where there is profit and eternal gain. Are you living a life worth living? Or what are you live, living for? What is what you're living for going to profit? What is going to be an eternity because of how you're living right now? Maybe this morning you need to face the conflict of life and choose Christ. Paul says, I'm going to count all of that as loss, and I'm going to do it for Christ. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Let's stand together this morning. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Are you living a life worth living? Jesus says, Peter, this is why I'm here. By the way, if you're going to follow me, this is how you have a meaningful life. This morning, if you're here and you've never trusted Christ, if you are not sure that if you died, you're going to heaven, can I ask you this morning, could I just pray for you? You say, I am not sure that I have life in Christ. I'm not sure that I'm saved. Would you pray for me? Lift your hand right up. Stick it right back down. I just want to pray for you. I'm not sure that I have that life, but I want to live that life through Christ that is worth living. Maybe you're here this morning and you're saved. You know that heaven's your home. But, oh, it's so easy, I'll admit it to you, to get distracted by this life. Are you living a life where something's going to profit? The thing that you're giving your thoughts to, the things you're giving your time to, can I ask you this this morning? Is there profit? Is there gain in it? What is the eternity, eternity going to be different because of what you're working on right now? I know we have jobs and I know we have school. But, oh, that precious time that we do have, are we using that time? the cause of Christ. Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you for our people. I thank you, Father, for those who serve so hard, and Father, for those who are definitely living for the next life, but Lord, so often in my life, I find myself distracted. Lord, living for this one and trying to invest in this one and trying to win things in this one. Father, no, oh, I pray you'd help us to get our mindset on the eternal life worth living. I pray for those this morning that may be lost, that didn't raise their hand, Father, I pray if there's one that doesn't know for sure that heaven's their home, I pray that, Father, this morning they choose Christ. There's a conflict. Something's got to give. They've got to choose. Or they've got to choose Christ. I pray that they not reject him today. Help somebody trust you for it's too late for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Our heads are bowed this morning. Eyes are closed. The invitation will take as long as we need, but whatever time you've got to take today, can I just encourage you? Choose to live a life worth living. How heartbreaking it is this morning. We give so much focus, so much attention, so much of our thoughts to things that are not going to matter. Why don't you decide this morning, it's Christ. I'm going to live a life for Christ. I'm going to let go of that. Paul says, I'm going to count it loss for Christ. I'm not going to give my attention to that. I'm not wasting any more time on that. When life is we pursue our dreams, our desires, and our ambitions. There's nothing wrong with having them. Never let those things come in the way of the will of God. Never let them come in the way of the life that's worth living. We do. I want my life to count for Jesus. 
for earthly things. What a horrific thought to stand before God and realize so much that we worked for didn't count. He said that counted down there. It doesn't count here. Didn't count. It's ashes. We're going to sift through the ashes one day. Realize it didn't matter. Inside my heart. I beg you, lost person, if you're not sure that you're saved, heaven's your home. But I just encourage you today. What was I choose Christ? Choose Christ on earth here for it truly was to build a kingdom not of my own, but of the Lord's. I want my life to count for Jesus. What is the gain this morning? For earthly what is the gain? What is going to be in eternity? Because of what you're working so hard for right no now. No need to add to worldly riches. Let's have another verse before we close I today. only seek eternal gain. I want my life to count for Jesus. For earthly things will quickly fade. No need to add to worldly riches. I only seek eternal gain. The other day I was booking a hotel and um, it asked me at the end of the online registration, would you like to pay now or pay later at the hotel? And I, I know it's best to pay now than to pay later because if you don't pay now, you get there later and you spent the money, right? And so I clicked a little box that says pay now. Could I encourage you? Pay now. Pay now. Don't pay later. The rich man has been in hell for over 2,000 years. He's paying now because he didn't pay earlier. I promise you, you're going to pay. We're all going to pay. When we stand there in the judgment seat of Christ and all of that ash is there. Oh, my goodness. Now we're going to be paying for what we didn't do. I just encourage you this morning. Let's live a life worth living. Amen. If Christ did all that he do, did so that we could have life, let's live it. A life worth living. Amen. Once again, I'm going to ask the Rays, if you would, make your way over to the table. They'll be there tonight as well, but if you... Uh, may not going to be here tonight, stop by and visit with them. I know everybody's going to be here tonight, but just in case, you know, if you have a chance, uh, get by there and see them this morning. Don't forget tonight, 5 o'clock, we're going to hear about their ministry, what God's doing through them, and uh, just a wonderful, wonderful work there. We have announcements this morning? No announcements? Brother Zach, dismiss us, please. A couple of quick announcements. This Saturday is the men's prayer breakfast. That's at 8 o'clock, so make plans to attend that this Saturday at 8. It's always a good time of fellowship and food. Uh, and someone will speak, and that's always pretty good there, too. So uh, I don't know who it is, though. And then um, uh, the, the Father and Son's Men's Squirrel Hunt. That's October 13th and 14th, I believe. And I think there's a sign-up on the church center out there. So be planning for that as well. Okay, let's sing Amazing Grace. How sweet this sound. Sing it. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. 